2: The novel Slaughterhouse-Five includes a strange conversation about sex. During it, an alien tells a human that, on its planet, they have five separate and unique biological sexes. This Baroque system blows the human's mind. He grew up thinking about only two sexes, male and female. The thought of five sexes staggers him. Well, what if I told you that biologists have recently discovered a species similar to the alien system? And not on some distant planet, but right here on Earth. It's not humans, although we'll get to that. It's a type of bird with four separate sexes. Fittingly enough, this discovery was made by a husband and wife team, two biologists who had their own sad love story. But during their last years together, they managed to unravel these birds' secret sex life, and along the way demonstrate why birds, and human beings, even have different sexes in the first place. From the Science History Institute, this is Sam Keene and the Disappearing Spoon, a topsy-turvy, sciencey history podcast where footnotes become the real story. The bird in question here is the white-throated sparrow. Here's its chirp. Some birders describe this melody as, oh, sweet, Canada, Canada, Canada. Others here, Oh, sweet Kimberly, Kimberly, Kimberly. Regardless, if you've ever been to Canada or the United States, you've almost certainly seen one in a backyard somewhere. It's quite common. But it probably did not make much of an impression. That's because the white-throated sparrow is pretty blah. It's short and plump, and while it has a nice touch of yellow around the eyes, it's mostly brown and gray pretty drab. Still, there is one feature of this bird that you should pay attention to the next time you see one. The feathers on the head. Some of these sparrows have dull tan stripes on their head, while some have more flamboyant white stripes. And when biologists look closer, they notice something strange. The mating among the birds was very particular. In over 99% of cases, tan-striped birds would mate only with white-striped ones. You almost never have tan-tan or white-white couplings. Opposites attract. Now, there's no perfect definition of biological sex, but one definition involves what proportion of the population a typical individual can and will reproduce with. In virtually all animal species, that's one-half, or one over two, which is why we have two sexes. But in white-throated sparrows, there are tan-headed males, tan-headed females, white-headed males, and white-headed females. And each group reproduces with only one-fourth of the population, or one over four. In other words, there are four separate sexes. Why, though? Why does this one animal defy the normal rules? No one knew until a biologist named Elena Tuttle took a look. Tuttle grew up in Massachusetts in the 1960s. She was one of those kids who was always splashing around in ponds and streams, knee-deep in the muck. She ended up going to graduate school in ecology in upstate New York. While in school, she met a fellow graduate student named Rusty Gonser. They soon fell in love and got married in 1994. Eventually, Tuttle and Gonser both became professors at Indiana State University, where they shared an office. But something about upstate New York kept tugging them back. Each summer, they would pack the car and drive to Cranberry Lake near the Canadian border. The trip took 13 hours, and reaching their cabin then required a 45-minute boat ride after that. But the isolation did not bother them. By day, they studied the white-throated sparrows near Cranberry Lake, trudging through the woods. Then they spent their quiet nights alone on the water. They returned to idyllic Cranberry Lake every summer for a quarter century. Eventually, they decided to tackle the big puzzle of the white-throated sparrow. Why the flamboyant white-striped ones made it only with the dull, tan-striped ones. What was going on? Luckily, DNA sequencing took off in the early 2000s, which allowed Tuttle and Gonser to peek at the sparrow's chromosomes. Chromosomes are long strings of DNA inside cells that contain genes, usually a few hundred genes to a few thousand. Importantly, animals have pairs of analogous chromosomes. For instance, humans have 23 pairs. There are two chromosome number ones, Two chromosome number twos, two chromosome number threes, and so on. White-throated sparrows have over 40 pairs, or 80-some chromosomes. This count includes the sex chromosomes. In mammals, males are usually XY and females XX. Birds have a similar system, except with chromosomes called Z and W. Now, to get DNA to study, Tuttle and Gonser harvested sparrow sperm, which is rich in DNA. As for how they got the sparrow sperm, well, as Gonser once said, with pride, my wife was the best bird masturbator I ever met. How could you not love a woman like that? Regardless, when Tuttle and Gonser sequenced the chromosomes of the white-throated sparrows, they noticed something funny. Part of chromosome 2 in the birds had been inverted, that is, flipped around. In most birds, the genes on chromosome 2 are arranged in a certain order. Let's call them gene A, gene B, gene C, and so on. But in these sparrows, the alphabet ran backwards at one point. Instead of L-M-N-O-P, it went P-O-N-M-L. Now, inversions like this do happen in chromosomes sometimes, even in humans. But the inversion in the sparrow was on a whole nother scale. Usually just a few genes get inverted. But with sparrow chromosome 2, over a 1,000 genes got flipped, a massive inversion. This turned out to be a big clue to the mystery of why the sparrows had four sexes. Unfortunately, just as they found this clue, tragedy struck. One day in 2011, Tuttle scheduled a routine mammogram. She walked into the clinic a seemingly healthy woman and walked out with breast cancer. It completely blindsided her. But she fought through it. She got a mastectomy and started chemotherapy, and she refused to stop doing science. She kept making the 13-hour drive to Cranberry Lake in between chemotherapy sessions. And after a year of struggle, the cancer went into remission. Her body was clear. All the while, she and Gonser kept working on the sparrow. Remember, they had that one big clue, the inverted genes on chromosome 2. But what did that mean? This was actually a problem with many DNA studies then. Scientists had gobs and gobs of data. And they initially thought that the gobs of data would instantly translate to, say, cures for diseases or other biological insights. The problem is, genetic data tells you very little by itself. You still have to correlate that DNA data with clinical disease symptoms or animal behavior in the real world. It's hard work. Lucky for them, Tuttle and Gonser had been studying the white throated sparrow for a quarter century, making detailed observations. So they could indeed correlate that odd inverted DNA with actual behaviors in the wild. As I mentioned, some of these sparrows had flamboyant white head stripes. And it turns out that the white-striped ones engage in flamboyant behavior as well. For one thing, white-striped ones sing more often, and they sing more loudly. For another, white-striped males and females are both super aggressive about defending their territory. If another bird flits by, watch out, punk. They go right after. Moreover, flamboyant white-striped birds are promiscuous. They cheat on their spouses all the time. White stripes are also lousy parents. When their eggs hatch, they rarely bother feeding the chicks. That flamboyance has a downside. Meanwhile, the dull tan-striped sparrows are, in fact, kind of dull personally, too. They're quiet, stay-at-home types, who rarely sing. And they don't say squat when their white-striped spouses are out picking fights and cruising for sex. All that said, the tan stripes do take much better care of their chicks and actually take the time to feed them. So each variety, tan stripe and white stripe, has pluses and minuses. In fact, those complementary behaviors explain the bird's odd mating system. Flamboyant white stripes would flame out as a couple because they're two alike. They'd cheat and fight and never feed their chicks. But a couple consisting of two tan stripes would not function either. Being stay-at-home types, they probably would never meet each other. And they're terrible at defending their territory from other birds or arranging for food in hard times. Overall, then, having one aggressive white stripe and one meek tan stripe makes for a good, balanced couple. It's like those human couples where one person is an impulsive, spendthrift socialite, and the other a quiet, contemplative wallflower. Their strengths and weaknesses complement each other. And here's where everything came together, the DNA work and the behavioral studies. Because Tuttle and Gonser realized that those different behaviors among tan stripes and white stripes seem to spring directly from the inversion on chromosome 2. Among many genes on that chromosome, there are two special ones we're going to look at. One that controls head stripe color, and one that influences how aggressive birds are. Apparently, both got mutated way back when, which led to birds that were both flamboyant and white-headed. And because they were both on the same chromosome, those mutated genes tended to get inherited together. But Mother Nature does have a way to mix up genes. I'm not going to go into all the details, but this occurs through a process called crossing over. It takes place when the body makes sperm and egg cells. To understand crossing over, Picture a pair of chromosomes. One is blue, and one is red. Now, they're not blue and red in real life, but just pretend. It makes it easier to visualize. This pair of chromosomes looks like two skinny worms. A red worm and a blue worm. And during crossing over, the tips of the red worm and blue worm overlap. They form an off-centered X. Then, to cross over, the chromosomes simply exchange the parts that overlap. So in the end, you've got a mostly red chromosome with a blue tip and a mostly blue chromosome with a red tip. Easy enough. So why would chromosomes do this? The answer is to promote variety. Each chromosome has slightly different versions of each gene, and crossing over allows for different combinations of those different versions. It's like shuffling a deck of cards. Maybe one combination of genes will be a full house, and the lucky recipient will be way stronger or faster. Cells also use crossing over the way you toss twos and threes, so you get better cards. This way they can dump all the multiple bad mutations onto a single chromosome and eliminate them from the gene pool. Now again, the gene mutation in the sparrows that produced both the white head stripes and the gene mutation that produced aggressive behavior both appeared on chromosome 2. And normally, crossing over would have broken that pair up. But here's the rub. Chromosomes are very careful about crossing over. If they notice that the genes aren't in the right order, from A to Z, they will not cross over. It's a quality control check. And remember, in these sparrows, a huge chunk of chromosome 2 had been inverted. As a result, the genes A through Z were not in the right order. So in these birds, chromosome 2 refuses to cross over. The white stripe mutation and the more aggression mutation therefore stay together. And here's the payoff. Here's where the light bulb must have gone off for Tuttle and Gunster. Because there's one other pair of chromosomes in animals that do not cross over. Can you guess which ones? That's right. The sex chromosomes. Have you ever wanted to appreciate books or movies or music from another culture? Do you have a big trip coming up and want to get beyond the tourist spots and immerse yourself in local culture? No matter what the reason, Rosetta Stone is the language program for you. Rosetta Stone has been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Millions have used it. Rosetta Stone knows what works for getting started, remembering what you've learned, and motivating you to stay on track. Plus, the built-in True Accent feature gives you live feedback to improve your pronunciation. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. So don't put off learning that language. Start today. For a limited time, Disappearing Spoon listeners get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today.
0: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
2: Long ago, the X and Y sex chromosomes in mammals were probably just two normal chromosomes. They crossed over and put red tips on blue chromosomes and vice versa. But at some point in the past, the Y chromosome suffered an inversion a huge stretch of it got flipped around. As a result, crossing over was impossible. And over the long term, the X and Y chromosomes became quite different. Something similar happened with bird sex chromosomes. Long ago, one suffered an inversion. Crossing over became impossible, and over time, Z and W became quite different. But white-throated sparrows go even beyond this the changes on chromosome 2 have effectively doubled the number of sex chromosomes, from 2 to 4. The overall result is 4 distinct sexes. This is exciting for a couple of reasons. One, the process of how mammals got R, X, and Y chromosomes is a bit mysterious, because it took place so many millions of years ago. But the situation with the sparrows is happening right now. We can actually watch sexual differentiation happening, which could teach us more about our own heritage. The second reason for excitement is this. Normally, when we think about sex differences and barriers to reproduction, we think in terms of anatomy. Two females can't reproduce because they don't have all the right parts between them. Same with two males. But the emergence of the new sexes in the sparrows does not involve anatomy. Anatomically, whiteheads could still mate with whiteheads and tanheads with tanheads. The parts still fit. Instead, the reproductive barrier here involves behavior. It's still driven by genes and chromosomes, but it's behavior that's segmenting the population and giving rise to the third and fourth sexes. These sparrows expand our notion of what biological sex even is. And to me, that's why this bird is so fascinating. Traditionally, scientists thought about biological sex in binary terms male or female, and that's that. Nowadays, we know that's too simple. There are intersex people who don't conform to that binary. What's more, psychologists also know that, above and beyond biological sex, there's something called gender. It's different from sex, and behavior plays a big role in gender. And it's not just humans that display these nuances. Anatomy is part of the sparrow's four sexes, certainly. You can't escape that. But behavior is equally important. As of now, biologists do not know of any other animals with a four-sex reproductive schema. But that might be because they haven't looked. Most birding books describe the white-throated sparrow as a, quote, common bird. In truth, it is anything but. It's extraordinary. Extraordinary. In early 2016, Elena Tuttle and Rusty Gonser finally published their research on the four sexes of the white-throated sparrow. Tuttle described it as her pinnacle paper. It would also be her last paper. In 2013, Tuttle came down with a case of bronchitis and visited her doctor. Once again, she walked out of the clinic with a far bigger problem than she'd entered with. Her breast cancer had returned, and it had spread to her lungs. She kept fighting anyway to keep working on the sparrows. She even made a few last trips to Cranberry Lake. But eventually, she simply couldn't do it anymore. When she finally realized she would never make another trip to the lake, she broke down crying. Elena Tuttle finally died at age 53 in November 2016. Nowadays, her husband Rusty still makes the trips to Cranberry Lake, listening to the sparrows, but it must be hard for him to hear the sparrows call their mates. Oh, sweet, Elena, Elena, Elena. But Rusty is not alone. He still has a little bit of Elena with him, in the form of their son, who was a teenager when she died. And to my eye, that son looks an awful lot like his mother. Word is he's a bit of a science whiz as well. Humans might not have the fancy reproductive schema of the white-throated sparrow, but ours can still do some pretty amazing things. This is the Disappearing Spoon podcast, brought to you by the Science History Institute. Find out more about their library, museum, and multimedia magazine at sciencehistory.org. Make sure you check out the Science History Institute's other awesome podcast, Distillations, You can find their in-depth narrative stories and interviews about everything from space junk to sex, drugs, and migraines anywhere you get your podcast, and on their website, distillations.org. You can find more incredible stories from my books at samkeen.com. You can also book me as a speaker at your school or event. If you like this podcast, please support it at patreon.com slash disappearing spoon. It costs as little as $0.07 per day. You can also get bonus episodes and signed books. Please spread the word to others as well and subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or other places. This episode was written by me, Sam Keen. It was mixed by Jonathan Pfeffer and produced by Mariel Carr and Rigoberto Hernandez. Thanks for listening.